This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Fashion Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hey, I'm Shane Mack, CEO and co-founder of Assist. You know, what I love about tech, AI innovation in general, is just saving people time. I'm so driven by time. I'm like, what are we all doing this for? I think it's to make things easier. I think it's to save me time. And I feel like it's the one thing, especially in the state of the world today, that everyone feels like they're losing control of. What if you could fully order flowers or make a travel reservation or or buy your movie tickets or reorder your makeup or anything like that just by speaking into your phone? That'd be cool, right? It's great to look into the future, except the future is now. Coming up, we're going to hear from the CEO and co-founder of a leading enterprise chatbot platform using AI for messaging and voice automation. So hang on to your hats because the show starts right now. This episode is presented by luxury footwear brand Tamara Mellon. Right now, as a listener of Fashion Is Your Business, you can get a huge $100 off your first order from Tamara Mellon just by using code FIYB at checkout at www.tamaramelon.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. And don't forget, use code FIYB for $100 off your first order. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location with Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, and Mark Rako. And now, here are your hosts. Shane, welcome to the show. Really glad to have you here at Shop Talk on the mic. Thanks, man. I'm so excited to be here. This is what it's all about. You look very excited, Shane. I'm fired the fuck up. I'm fired (laughs) up, man. Got the coffee in the left. Yeah, Shane's got his his, his, his baseball cap turned backwards. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's got his his pants rolled up. We're ready. He's he's in the athletic pose forward. Because you know what it's like coming to a conference where everyone's texting each other where no one knows what anyone looks like? That's right. That's why Uh, I wear a hat. I'm not kidding you. Every time. That's awesome. Blue hat. Every time. Blue hat. And everyone's like, there's no confusion. Yeah, got it. Saves so much fucking time. I agree fully. Mike Tyson got to do well at conferences. You can just see who he is. <laughs> that, that tattoo on his face. Face tattoo. Find me. <laughs> All right. That's, that's my next, that's yeah, my yeah. next move. Go face tattoo. Find me. My mother will be proud. Come, oh. come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Assist. Uh, amazing company you got there. What I'd like to lead it off with, Shane, is why does this company, why must it exist? What is the thing? I always think companies are either nice to exist or need to exist. Uh, maybe there's a, a market for a nice to exist, but if, if it went away, the world wouldn't collapse. Why is assist a must exist? That's, a, that's actually a great question. I'll just tell you the history of myself and how assist started. So I think whenever you think about something for a decade and you can't stop thinking about it and you just keep doing it, then it's probably something that you personally should do. Right. Um, and then for me, I think growing up in the web and building web tools, and I, my first company was a social CRM, and it was 2007, 8, 9, mm-hmm. called Gist.com. It, you know, it was venture funded. We grew it to 100 million people, and it uh, sold the BlackBerry in 09, and I got to see BBM. How many people did you have in there? 100 people? We grew it to 100 million people. That's what I thought. Okay. That's yeah, it's huge. Nice. And we sold it for 50 million and uh, 45 million to BlackBerry in 09. Nice. How many employees that, were there? 14 Sick. small so nice. it was a really small all engineering team but i was young i didn't know what mm-hmm. i was doing i met this guy named ta yeah. and ta was like took me on you have that mentor who takes you under his wing and yeah. like whatever but i got to blackberry and you know blackberry was going through its hard times but i saw bbm and when i saw bbm i felt like i saw mm. the future i was like this is the way you're going to talk to every business in the future and when you really think about the internet and back buttons and web browsers and not knowing identity, and it's really a piece of shit. Like yeah. the internet is a complicated fucking mess. And what I <laughs> it think, really is. it's so comp. Look at this place. I'm like, there's a <laughs> there's a fucking company built on the one step of the refund reorder called Refundly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm like, that's crazy. So any at that time, I was like, I think this is the future of how you'll talk to businesses. Not just the internet, but the phone coming together. I was like, Dude, this you is the are the phone? second person that re- uh, referenced Refundly. 
Really? Like I was, yeah, it's I was a good name. It's sticky. It's got the L. Well, no, no. It's it's so blatantly clear. Like, yeah. It's just like, no. yeah, you're just like, yeah, you're thinking about it right. And there's so many players on the internet. And so, and it's just complicated. I think it's mm-hmm. hard to, you have to pixel track. You need a splash page builder, two th- splash page, 19,000 clicks to an email yeah. retargeting. You don't even know who John is. Like that, I was like, this is just, I'm no. like, I literally spend my life trying to just like simplify everything. I wear the same shirt mm-hmm. every day. Sure. Yep. I, I roll my pants to keep my, you know, it's like, I'm just chill. You don't yeah. know there's going to be a flood. You got to be ready. But I believe that this can make the interaction with every business in the world much, much, much simpler. Look, here's the thing: we're not, we weren't built to type. We weren't built to do equations. A QWERTY we keyboard. Like, who invented that, that shit? Yeah, I know. It's a, but we we do talk. We've talked for thousands yeah. of whatever millions of years, whatever span. We, we, we language is the we end do. game. And for you me, say what you want. Words. It's tattooed in my arm. I have mm-hmm. logos, which is the power of the written word. And when you think about language speaking to things. So my co-founder always says, there's going to be a Twitter feed for everything you've talked to. So right now, yeah. it's a Twitter feed for people. But in the future, you're going to talk to your dishwasher. You're going to talk to your chair. You're going to talk to your car. You're going to talk to all this shit. And you need to have a log of that. And the log of that in the future is going to be how you understand when you're, what you reordered, what you did, the past things, how you saved things. And that, that thing that's going to happen... It's just going to make it a lot easier when we can use our words and I have to learn how to use a UI. All right. So let me ask you a follow-up question on that real quick, kind of getting back to my initial lead-off question. Yeah. Sorry. I went on a tangent. What? No. Perfect. So we circled back. The question is, being able to talk to my chair or my TV or whatever, why is that something that, that needs to happen? I do understand the <laughs> additional efficiency. Yeah, whatever. But I'm saying, <laughs> the, 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 he said it. Yeah. Addition, I understand. I totally get the additional convenience. It's w- one little step less or one little distance less to something happening. Why is this important? Here, I'll give you. A, I'll give you something that's probably counterintuitive to what everyone would say today. I'm not challenging you, by the way. Oh no, I'm not. I, I don't feel challenged. The, the I want to be. Here. I want to say something that I believe that probably a few believe, which is my co-founder Robert when he founded Geek Squad, 1993. And he believes in service runs the world. And that he had the highest NPS in the world mm-hmm. of in-home service with Geekswell. He told me, why does the internet work? And he said, because there aren't people. So everyone's been trying to add live chat to everything. But what he told me from this, th- it was a report in like 1970s where people prefer talking to automation, if done well, over human contact. So I, I was like, I don't even know what that means. But if that's true, what is the goal every person people behind companies so fuck the companies people to build relationships so then it's how do you build relationships with automation and do it well and that is where we call it relationship design internally and you're just designing a relationship it's what you understand language what you remember context and the more i remember from what i understand the better our relationship is over time and that's the goal of every single person at this conference who's been saying personalization bullshit for 20 years can finally do it because they actually know what at you're scale. saying. At scale. Well, at scale. One to one. Right? It's so one to one at scale, finally, thing. for the first time right. in history. So now, so we hear about, I mean, there are a bazillion AI solutions out there, right? And uh, initially, when it first started off, I think I was in a panel years ago about just chat boxes, right? And then basically, our reference point of AI was chat boxes, and period. It's getting way further than that, especially with connected home and speakers, especially, and just voice being totally. a thing. So now we're conditioned to speak to our Siri, to speak to th- our, our Alexa. It's, it's really a different game now. Totally. Where are we, as someone who's involved in this and been building this ecosystem out, uh, where are we with AI? Here's what I call it. AI should be called EI, eventually intelligent. Sure. No, it's not I fucking here. Yeah, yeah, no, and no, AI it's like, it's like is virtual across too. everything. AI is like the fucking internet. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's what are you doing that could be classified as AI? What yeah. I like to say is, when 2009, I remember everyone was like, mobile, mobile, mobile. And everyone ran around like monkeys and they were like, we need a mobile strategy. Mobile, mobile. I need to be good at mobile. Yeah. What did yeah. mobile mean? Mobile meant you were at Starbucks and you created mobile order and pay. Mm-hmm. You picked the right use case with the right uh, reduced friction. It's now billions in revenue for the company. You were at Uber and you used a new medium to order a car. Those companies and individuals who created that became good at mobile. What's going to happen in AI, in my opinion, is that in three years, there's going to be a bunch of people here that aren't saying bullshit like I'm an AI person. They're going to be like, I'm the leader in AI because I nailed the right use case. And a, a brand that's in retail isn't the whole brand on the internet. It doesn't do everything the brand does on the internet. And it's not going to be that way either. Yeah. But 
the way to apply it and do things that weren't possible before in a voice or messaging language world and designing language different than designing websites, mm -hmm. those people that pick the right use cases that have scale and consumers love will become just like mobile, great at AI, but AI, is, it's, it's literally across everything. Like you can do sure. machine learning on top of big data, you can do it on top of the conversation of errors, and once I know the errors, like, like here's where yeah. we're at today. This yeah. is a perfect use case. How would you know fidget spinners were popular if you were a retailer like Target this year? Mm -hmm. To give you an example of AI in a really practical use case. When he was at Best Buy, he installed the internal Google server inside of every 150,000 blue shirts had to use the yep. search. So he could see the logs, right? All of a sudden, he started seeing yoga mats pop up. Yoga mats, yoga mats, yoga mats. And he's like, why are they, we don't sell yoga mats. Huh. Why are they searching for yoga mats? Because all the electronics departments were selling Nintendo Wiis. Oh shit. And because they were selling Wiis, they were hawking mats as like a side business mm -hmm. and ordering on Amazon and like selling mats. He would have known that if he could have intercepted the conversation. He would have mm -hmm. known Wii's people also wanted yoga mats. Therefore, if everyone's asking your company, the errors are the intelligence in this space. And we can do that today. And that's what's powerful. If you understand that the errors are the intelligence, all of a sudden it's like fidget spinner, fidget spinner, fidget spinner. And all, I'm like, I don't have a clue why fidget spinners are possible. Yeah, popular. but it is. But that yeah. is an error. And mm -hmm. it's the top air and everyone's saying it and we better start selling that shit because our customer wants it. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in history, there's not a bunch of executives sitting around at a table with their like know-it-all attitude saying, here's what we should do. It's actually listening to the fucking customer and what saying, is, why don't we do this? What is the impact for like if we take it to retailer and actually any brand, let's take it to brand. What's the impact uh, that this will have on the creative direction or the identity, individuality of a brand? Essentially. What do you mean? Can you say it a little like, differently? Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, if do you think that there's there's a way that so if everyone's getting intelligence from a similar way now, do we end up getting into this ubiquitous world where everyone's tone is similar or everyone is like we're finding out information in a similar manner so that that results in product selection or branding decisions or whatever that might be? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, you can get into some really philosophical things, right? Mm. We all believe we're very different and we're actually not that at all. Right. Right. So the human species per se of like, we believe we have a lot of individuality and uniqueness, yeah. but like if you put it on a map of like behavior traits and language and understanding the reason we can even have this conversation, we're pretty mm -hmm. similar. Yeah. Um, and so for brands, I think it's more about the, the relationship of how people are going to want and treat automation. To me, it's that when I see Alexas and stuff, the brand in the future might be the bot, not the brands. Mm -hmm. And that could change everything. That's what Bezos sees. And what, what that relationship becomes, I think is going to detect, a, depict, like, uh, depict a lot of what changes in this game. Because if I trust Alexa more than I trust you, right. or your agent, mm -hmm. all of a sudden all things change. Yeah, and that is that's where, the gateway to discovery. Then that's the gateway because to, it's pre so. Yeah. Um, t take an example of if you have infinite computing power, mm -hmm. what is the purpose for brands? Brands are actually there to fill holes in your brain because I can't remember the top five insurance that's companies, right. Yeah. right? Absolutely. Okay, so now I have a, a preferences model mm -hmm. that knows me, knows yep. my family, knows what I like, knows what I don't like, and it can find it knows customer satisfaction is what I like, I love and that. it can go talk to ten thousand people at the exact same time. Yep. And if they have live chat, it's out negotiating them because it knows what the other nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine are saying. That's wild. Who, They're gonna lose. Who's doing it right at this stage? I mean, at this stage, the platforms lead the way, right? It's like you do search, and then it creates SEO. Mm -hmm. We're in the like, you create Alexa and Google Assistant, everyone's creating conversational interfaces and de designing language now. Correct, sure. Uh, I would say people doing it right are doing it early. Mm -hmm. The only way to win this game Just now is because one, it scales because it's automation. Mm -hmm. Two, five companies own the fucking internet. Yeah. So if you're in them, playing with them, and you get early access, and we launched three of the 10 that launched with commerce, three out of the 10 on Google Assistant, it's mm -hmm. on every Android phone in the world. Yep. When this thing cracks... This, mm -hmm. It's You're not it. like mobile. It's not like social. Social in 08 was a bunch of nerds. We were all like excited. Like social is going to be real. There was yeah. like 40 people on social, like tweeting like my friends. Yeah. And everyone didn't believe that. And social ended up being a brand cost. It didn't ever get into core systems. Mm -hmm. When you reduce friction this much, and you can buy flowers, and it's converting better to the website. You don't have to remember your passwords. You don't have well, to you're referencing in. your own work with 1-800-Flowers a little bit. And right? why, why yeah. would I say that's really good work? Yeah. Because we're first. 
and you get to work with Google and work with Amazon and work with Facebook and get all the betas. And now the IVR deflection is going. And all of a sudden you call 100 Flowers. You know what it says if it knows your phone number mm -hmm. is connected to Messenger? Hey, what's going on? Hey, do you want to send this to Messenger? You can yeah. do it fully automated. You hit three, it hangs up and says, enjoy the Facebook Messenger experience. That's what's happening. Yeah. You know, one of the things you said earlier was uh, uh, that a lot of people prefer to deal with, uh, with, with automation than with an actual human being. If done well. If done well. I didn't believe that either for what it's worth. <laughs> We're desperately trying to make uh, AI and, and, and uh, automated uh, voice and so forth uh, more and more human sounding and more and more human-like re uh, reacting. Yep. Uh, which seems like it's we want it to be as close to being a human as possible. The Turing test. But, but pardon me. It's called the Turing test. Is okay. The, that's the technical term for like a, a an actual human-like equal equal right. experience. Okay. So my question is, if we prefer automation, why do we want it to be as human as possible? Or do we? Is that or the right direction? Uh -huh. Is there a tipping point in which we won't like it anymore because it's too freaking human? Woman versus machine. I mean, uh, so if you if you want to get into like philosophical, really what I think is going to happen. Uh, yes. Today so, is humans training the automation, right? So we're actually teaching it to act like ourselves. I believe the state of the market is very, very nascent. I call it EI, right? So we say it should definitely not try to act like a human today. It should just make it faster, less friction, and easier to get done what you're doing. And it should tell you this is automation. automation yeah. And what we found is people that think the automation ends in a human a la call center treat that shit terribly versus people who believe it's fully automated and can solve their problem. Understand. They treat it completely differently. So everyone's trying to say like, hey, it's a, about getting bed to the agent faster. No, it's not. They're like, fuck you, hit zero, get me to the agent. Yeah. But if you knew it can solve your problem, you treat it very differently. That said, here's what I think is a much bigger theme that is going to really wreck the world is if we don't understand that when you start using language, it's how you treat people. And when you think about how you treat people and the words you use, words become powerful. And if our company, people right now think diversity is a hiring tactic because they think it's a tactic. But we're diverse because we're diverse, right? And they, everyone's diversity, diversity. But if you go a step further and say, why does diversity actually matter in this space? It's because if people are designing language models for people that they don't understand, Mm -hmm. and I have someone from Japan that walks into this automated experience and I don't know how people from Japan act with two cards on their hands on their business card or the way they speak and what's fair, what's politically correct, what's not. I'm a Southern guy from the Midwest. I'm very different than someone who's in San Francisco and I live there yeah. and all these nuances. And so diversity to companies today for me in this space and if this is as big as the internet, which I believe it is, it doesn't matter for like our internal policy. It matters because if you don't know how to treat everyone in the world, the people People programming this language and these words mm -hmm. are so powerful that you're going to build racist companies well, you and bots <laughs> because when they don't know how to treat people, they're going to fuck up. And when that happens... Well, it did happen, right? It, it did happen. And when that happens, that's why you have to build the first teams because automation yeah. doesn't give a fuck about borders. It doesn't give a shit about walls. It doesn't care. Yeah. And so then it's like, if it does act like a human, does it treat people like shit? That's a that's a much different question. So uh, on that on that note, just in, in closing out this segment, uh, how much are you thinking about or, or working with um, reading emotion in the tone of someone's voice? Because I, I mean, I know that there are call systems out there, uh, uh, automated systems that can can read the frustration in your voice, your breathing pattern. Well, not just that, just also layering it into sensors that can visually see your frustration or your happiness and excitement okay. or those types totally. of other cues. I mean, the right? new iPhone, the amount of yeah. companies built they, with that new front-facing camera yeah, that they, can read your face and it mm -hmm. knows my, it can unlock my phone with my face. That means it knows my blood pressure, it knows if I'm stressed, it yep. knows all these things. Yep. Um, but I think that's the whole game, right? right? We look at it as air handling. We think airs are everything. And that's what people are scared of of the space because they're like, it's going to air. I'm like, just, just the Alexa is great because it handles the airs and tells you it's airing. But what it's really doing is you're designing different types of airs. Like, I fucking hate you is much different than I need fucking help. That is actually an air that knows help is more important than an air that says this person's sentiment is mad. Yeah. Or just like, or just terrible. Mm -hmm. Like they're just being a jerk. Yeah. And that's where I think you can really get like cool language pieces to think completely differently about how you handle air handling and routing based on how someone's 
like accenting other words. Even 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 getting to the point of finding some subtlety between sarcasm and disdain. Totally. I mean, that's what we do all day, right? Yeah. You're like, this guy walked in, he's in a trucker head. He kind of says a bunch of shit. And, you know, but like, it's all of this nuance. So how does a machine do this? Yeah. It's just words. All right, coming up more with Shane. And you'll hear him talk about what's next and uh, tomorrow versus today in his company and, and his initiatives and the incredible community of people working in AI uh, and, and a very interesting way that Shane is talking with them. We'll be right back. Hey, it's me, Karen Moon, one of the hosts of another Mouth Media podcast, Beauty is Your Business. It's a great show and a lot like Fashion is Your Business, just focused on the beauty industry. You should check it out. You'll love it, I promise. Fashion and beauty have a lot in common. For example, a big part of beauty, well, it's obviously looking amazing and feeling luxurious from head to toe. So we talk a lot on our show about the head, like makeup and hair, but what about the toe? If you want to make sure your footwear is as beautiful as the rest of you, you need a little bit of Tamara Mellon in your life. Tamara co-founded Jimmy Choo in the 90s, and now she's launched her own namesake brand, which is handmade in Italy by family-owned factories and without the six-time retail markup. The best shoes for a better price direct to you. And let's be honest, who doesn't love great shoes? Get this. Right now, as one of the Fashion Is Your Business listeners, you can get a whopping $100 off your first order from Tamara Mellon just by using code FIYB at checkout at www.tamaramellon.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. And don't forget, use code FIYB for $100 off your first order. You can follow Fashion Is Your Business on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available at fashionisyourbusiness.com and listen and subscribe wherever the best podcasts are found. Dude, I, I think I, Mark and I agree. We, we, during that break, like, we could talk to you for four hours about this stuff. I, like, you really I, are fascinated. Be careful what you wish yeah, for. Yeah, for real. I honestly no, think I'm cool. should be with beers in hand. If, if I could make I money, my coffee, if I could make a living sitting here and talking to you about just theories and shit and... I'd, I'd be very, very I feel happy. like you've defined Mouth Media Network. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of we, we, we talk and shit. New model. No, but, I, but I'll say, so, I mean, we didn't really get into, I do want to take a quick second to actually say, okay, well, what types of work is Assist working on today that's practical and in the market? And then also, what are you working on internally? Like right now, what are you thinking about for tomorrow and how to build for that? Uh, yeah, today I would say we focus on the marketer and we focus on re- beating the past, right? So mm-hmm. the past is web and apps. Okay. Um, or the past is uh, like service use cases, right? Mm-hmm. Like cancel order, uh, change order, stuff like that. Yeah. And when you see the, take 1 800 Flowers for an example, right? You have a messenger experience that when a Facebook and an Instagram ad can slide into that to an actual specific product mm-hmm. and there's no sign up, you have identity, yeah. there's no passwords, there's no, like, there's no login and it remembers your state. You can change your mind. Yeah. And we've built this technology called random access navigation. And what that allows you to do is that a lot of people see tree flows and bots and they all suck. And they're like, why do bots suck? Bots suck because people are writing scripts. If this, then that. If the space is to work, mm-hmm. you have to be able to do what the customer wants, not what you want. So what we've done today is you can change your mind at any time and keep going forward. The web is about going back. And that's the difference of voice and messaging. Mm-hmm. And that today is possible. And that's how you reduce, uh, you, you use that to basically allow the technology to rebuild the rules in real time. So if I have a five-step flow for Hyatt or 1-800-Flowers, and I say, can I check out uh, tomorrow? and get flowers delivered on Saturday, I want roses. That is now three steps of a seven-step flow. Now this flow is four steps. Yep. So all of a sudden, the customer is able to change the flow, mm-hmm. rebuild the flow, and fucking really yeah. like, 
control the flow however they want. And on both sides, it's just a better experience. Exactly. And that takes a lot of entity mapping and intent mapping. And we focus on one flow at a time. And and you have to, the APIs have to be available. A company is really a a view of, the company is really uh, like a representation of their APIs. Sure. And if the future, if the future is about platforms that you don't control, but the consumers are all on, Mm -hmm. which is, if the future is my AirPods in my ear and the Siri on my phone or the assistant of the Android or the Alexa in my house or the messenger because I have yeah. iMessage. Apple iMessage opens next month. Mm-hmm. When that opens up, you're now texting Lowe's, not Lowe's number. Yep. And this is when it shifts. And so what I think to get ready for really is that you to build a good customer experience, you have to think about how you can fail over and not be I don't understand and truly build the way for people to navigate in any random way. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do today. And that's what we're, that's the state of the AI market, right. I think, in this space. Uh, but it's really focused. It's marketing focused. It's conversion focused. And it's pretty easy to say, if I get you to, from an ad to a message and I get halfway through the flow, because it's messenger and mm-hmm. it's threaded and its context is saved, I can retarget you in a day later and I just get another message. It's yeah. not chasing you around the web. Yeah. All of the paradigms of web kind of like, they kind of just go away. That's mm-hmm. why I'm so excited. Yeah, it's, and it's direct, right? Like you're getting their attention right away and it's, and it's value-add attention. It's and not, it's the first yeah. experience every single person on earth learns when they get a phone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like 100%. All, you know how many meetings in my life are arguing about UI flows and designs? <laughs> if that it just never happens again, I'll be fucking happy. So, <laughs> so now let's take it to tomorrow. I mean, today, well, you also mentioned a lot about voice. Uh, is that tomorrow or is that you're building for Alexa today? We were the first partner yeah. to launch uh, Flowers, Lonely Planet, Sephora, and this on is, hey, Google Alexa. Get me some Alexa yeah. I can say, on my phone right now, yeah. I can touch that phone and say, mm-hmm. hey, Google, let me talk to my 100 flowers. Yeah. You and I right here can send flowers to, you, I don't think you have a wife. You have a wife? Have I a do wife have a wife. Yeah. Oh, oh, the other hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can send flowers to your wife right now without touching my phone. Mm-hmm. and all automated. Yeah. And I think that's when you see stuff like that happen, you're like, okay. Oh, cool. And then we have uh, the IVR stuff, which is when you call them, it then goes to messaging. And so you're just deflecting all of these past channels to a new paradigm. You know, it's interesting. Like with the, with the Uber example, uh, you know, I, I drink a lot of Gary V juice and uh, <laughs> GV. Oh, yeah. So GV and I go way back. Oh, is that right? So when, yeah. when he talks about, you know, just the saving time, right? So he passed on Uber and then the second time it came around to him and when he realized that it was really like, he's, they're not selling a car service here. They're selling time, giving time back. And this is a, like, you know, that just small example of, hey, let me just send some flowers. That process takes you, okay, let me go on the website. Let me pick out the bouquet I want. Let me send it, it to this address. Put in, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Put in my credit card information. Do all that stuff. You just eliminated 12 or 15 minutes minimum if I'm you, efficient you know what else in my also, life. Just by that. Uh, you, I, you've also eliminated doubt. Or right, right. All that, that 15 I, minutes is doubt uh, on an impulse buy. That creates buy. the opportunity <laughs> yeah. for a change of mind. Because you can be more impulsive too. Because if I know I can just say, okay, order flowers, I'm not going to be in the middle of talking and say, uh, uh, you know, let's forget it, probably. And if you do stop, guess what? It holds your context. Mm -hmm. And when you come back, it's still sitting there at the same spot. Now, do you you have any. Like web sessions are dead. Do you have concrete ROI in terms of what this does to conversion? Totally. What do you got? And I can. Well, give me a few. We, we work few with like, highlights. We you get know what I mean? real. We work with public companies, so yeah. we have to like really make sure we get tied here. I would say that break down simple things. I think the market isn't. We're, we're still really early. Mm-hmm. So when you're really early, what are wins people can do to get their boss excited so that they can get more budget and more buy-in to keep doing things? Yeah. Take email open rate versus messenger open rate. Ten x difference. hundred percent out of the gate. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, now take ad unit to app download mm-hmm. versus ad unit on Instagram slides yeah, exactly. into Messenger. Probably a thousand X. Great. Take retargeting, chasing you around the web versus, versus retargeting. So you, some of these are so just once you have it built, you can't not lose those stats. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're actually like, it's just so much reduced yep. in different medium. And it's going to be ruined by marketers. Like the sure. minute messenger has all the marketers spamming the shit out of people and whatever. Well, but what's changed is in a messenger world, I can block you inside of chat and mm-hmm. never see you again. 
That's not true. even a Do you think that there's regulation going to pop up that tons? We work with yeah. Facebook a lot on that. Apple's okay. not going to allow you. iMessage open up. Do you think Apple's going to allow you to start spamming your people in iMessage yeah, and exactly. ruin their messenger app? Mm-hmm. Fuck no. And so tons of rules. So mm-hmm. like I can spam laws of email, but who owns it is different. It's privately held companies who own the rules. Who wins the game? People who work with the privately held companies. And that's the game to play because it's not an open paradigm like email was. Mm-hmm. So Excellent. Now, there seems to be... So those are like basic ones, yeah. right? You're just like... Click it. Yeah, the, you don't even have to think it through more than that. Like, it, you're, you're right. Once you think about the, the impact that it's having on a 1,000x, 2,000x... Like, I mean, it's... But take, take, yeah. take the camera on the iPhone at the last release now, yep. right? It now recognizes QR codes. I hated QR codes. Yeah. But we have one on our window here. But now... This is the first time I use a QR code in my like, entire life. But why? Friction. So the, yeah. it's built... And finally, we have the computing power because That's of it. AR to always be scanning. Mm-hmm. So when you slide over to the main camera on iOS now... It's just there. It, you, so think about Sephora. You're walking by a store. So, SoulCycle, mm-hmm. right? You're walking by a store, a Sephora, or SoulCycle, whatever. Yeah. And with Sephora, we were the F8 story last year. We beat their website conversion rate by 11% of booking reservations to go to every Sephora store in the U.S. and get, mm-hmm. a, get a makeover or your, uh, your face mm-hmm. done. How? Random access navigation. So we eliminated failovers. Mm-hmm. It's... You can book it in one step. If I said, hey, can I book a makeover tomorrow in San Francisco? Booked. And we did all the API integrations to be able to never go out, no signups, no login, and it actually books to their reservation system. If you have a camera that links to that, Mm-hmm. And the experience can do that. We, that is a public stat. We beat it by 11%. And we were the, the, we were the messenger at Fade Story last year with that. How are you seeing this technology being able to perhaps collaborate with in-store experiences? So I'm coming up to, I know uh, I'm two blocks away from this store or this restaurant. Well, not even restaurant, but um, I mean, that seems obvious to me. But even a store so that walking up to, especially a luxury experience, Walking up to the store, it already knows I'm there, so I can just talk to my phone and say, uh, you "Self service." I'm about to, I'm about I'm about to show up at XYZ Luxury Store. I want pants, and you walk in, and Having the service associate there already knows who you are. You're walking in. Totally. You got. You don't have to go through the process of this. Tim, there. Let me talk to them and describing what you want, and it pushes the information that you've already. Maybe you've got a search. You've already done searching on your phone for what you want. Yeah. It knows that, sends that to them. You show up at the store two blocks later. Out the they're door. waiting for you with something to try on. I mean, take luxury. Good example, right? Luxury. So take luxury and take retail and say, you don't have to always create the new thing. You can steal the medium, not the message. So if I do coach, what do I do? Do what Starbucks fucking did. Like, it's mobile ahead, order and pay. Great. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You have to redesign retail. So I think what's interesting, what Robert talks about a lot is if, if the retail is not the cash register and the retail is the pickup, right. how do you redesign retail? It's, and if it's luxury, well, you, you put the milk counter. in the back What aisle. the fuck is a counter for? A counter is to hold a shitty ass computer that you don't need anymore. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason it's there. Yeah, that's it. So therefore, it's order ahead. They're waiting for you. It's, it's just logistics and like yeah, but at what somebody point, having... But there is a lot to the merchandising element of being in the physical store that they want to capture different data points, you know. Oh, totally. Uh, I'm but, not, and that's so, a different one. I don't know if like, what's luxury that? Right. They're gonna order ahead is the thing because like people want to browse, right? <laughs> not what, just that. The, the brand needs you to browse there, right? Totally. So. But what is the problem with... Think about it differently. What's the problem that luxury brands talk about all the time? If you're in New York City, you know what they say? I don't understand the Chinese-speaking shopper. I don't know who they are. Yep. I can't help them. And hiring Chinese-speaking retail employees in New York City is the single biggest challenge they have. So what do you do? Self-service with a Chinese-language thing, if scanned from a code, for every single item in the store. You know who they are. You can help them. Because people in the stores, literally like 10% of the stores, staff is Chinese-speaking and 75% of their buyers are that. And that's their problem. That's something that when people crack mm-hmm. this, fucking gold. Awesome. Now, let's switch a little bit to the community around AI right now. So totally. you mentioned earlier that you had incredible advisors that, you know, at, earlier on stages at your, your past company. And you're now kind of entrenched in this world of thought leaders between AI. And I could only imagine that you're exchanging information and trying to move this forward so everyone's benefit. The world's benefit. Totally. What does that look like? I know you're sitting in San Francisco, but like, wh- who are these personalities? What's the community feel like? Is it supportive? Is it 
um, is a shelter. There just seems to be a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is such a big question, you know. Uh, we only ask the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think about it two ways. One is like, I think there's a lot of academics that have been doing incredible things for 20, 30, 40 years in this space. Uh, and that's the ones I like Lily from Microsoft is mm -hmm. she's been doing chatbots since like 1993. Like she's so academic, understands it so well, understands the human side of talking to robots, how it makes us feel. Why do apps like talking Tom where you can hear your voice in a robot way back to you become the biggest in the app store and like what triggers does it uh, do to our brand to make us love it that's a very different one and I think that community is cool I love that community I want to support them and bring them on and let their voices shine because a lot of the community now is like the business and they see the they see the like this is a moment in time and platforms opening up and all this stuff and then you everyone rushes to it to like build a business mm -hmm. um, and, and it, honestly startups get a lot of bad flack I live in San Francisco and I think the real investors and other founders and CEOs are so helpful uh, in talking about it and always willing to help. And I'm like a huge fan, actually, yeah. of the people in this community in this space. Uh, you know, I also name a competitor is Beauty Competitor. His name is Andy from Automat.ai. Mm -hmm. we, we're basically doing the same thing, I guess. Yeah. And like, he's awesome. Like, and we have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. I think he understands. He was at Nuance. He understands language and designing language. And I feel... Like we're trying to go be and create a sales force. Right. Arguing with like startups that literally are like five years old or less is not beneficial to anyone. And therefore, like, how do you? Well, all that's help the move thing. I mean, uh, you know, if I'm at a conference like this, I I'm sure I could walk around and gather information from 20, 30 plus different AI companies, yeah. right, or enabled companies. So that's where it takes leaders to band together, distribute the education. It's almost like the reason why the diamond district exists or, totally. or handbag district exists is because you need to kind of combine in order to get everybody rallied up around the movement yeah. and then be able to all succeed in this and environment. That, is that what's happening? Yeah. And I, that's my goal. I mean, if you, I want to talk, if I yeah. want to talk about machine yearning. Well, I kind of uh, want to, yeah. So yeah, good thing you bring it up. I was just about to bring it up. So uh, for the audience, uh, so you're about to start a podcast around this and this is what kind of, intrigued me last yeah, night yeah. so we, we we bumped into each other and uh we started talking about podcast stuff and you're you're launching a new podcast called machine yearning machine yearning yes. yeah and this is uh basically talking about where we are today and almost giving like a parody to what's happening and and how it should be going forward yeah it's uh you know we say it's the least bullshit conversations with the the real leaders in the space mm -hmm. um but I, I think it's it's much more uh personal to me than that it's much bigger I see this space as it could cause a lot of problems. This mm. isn't yeah. Oh, this absolutely. isn't the internet created opportunity. This mm. isn't social created a bunch of new social media jobs. This is if it's successful, it could kill a fuckload of jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to have honest conversations about this. We need to create a school. We need to go educate executives that how do you talk about this and train your people that you want to keep as great employees mm -hmm. if their jobs need to change in three years completely. Yep. You know, you don't want to let them all go. That's an option. It's it's capitalism. But I believe there's there's a there's better than that. And we have to have honest conversations. And so that's my my real goal with it is that if it succeeds, what will it kill? And, right. if, and if you can't talk about that and we need to say, what are we going to do to help? We're going to teach and you're going to educate and you're going to try to say, here's the other jobs we see. And then you got to go teach adversity. You got to go teach people how to be resilient because they're not used to changing their jobs this fast. How do you do that? That's the question. Well, three well, years is a short amount of time. It sure is. And, yeah. you know, think about the fact that if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. You already talked about automat. 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 Yeah. Automat. Well, that's why when everyone says a like the AI, yeah. AI everywhere, and everyone's all excited, right. I'm like, chill the fuck out for a second. Yeah. Yeah. If we actually do this, There's what the right. happens? So what yeah. I love about the fact that the way you're, you're looking at it is if you don't do it, if you said, I don't want to kill jobs or whatever – Someone else is going to come along who's not going to have that same ethos, and they're just going to go in and yeah. rape it all, and, and whoever's out of a job is out of a job, changing the world, baby. Yeah. Because there's the comm cycle. That's why we try to just be the less bullshit, right? Because there's the communication cycle. If I was not going to make this our brand, truth and honesty, then I would say this. Oh, no, no. It's going to augment, it's going to augment the human, and it's going to really help them be more productive, mm -hmm. and it's going to – all these things, right? Oh, 10 years away, whatever. In under three years, the use cases you can chip away – at a retailer, say, 
there's only so many things this company does. It's not that many, usually. So that matrix of building those, if we even did half of what they're doing today and got good enough on this, what happens if you put 45,000 people in the call center out of business? Is this what machine yearning the conversations are all about? Like, what is the podcast going to be? I know you recorded several recordings already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What type of folks are on it? Uh, what, is the, what are the conversations and when can we expect it to be live? Uh, in a couple weeks. Oh, damn. So probably before this episode even. Yeah, ends. yeah. So it should be already live. So Machine Yearning is live right now. Boom. On, so <laughs> you heard it here Google first Play. on iTunes. Machine Yearning. Google Play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by assist. Uh, and, you know, I tried to – like the guy who coined the term conversational commerce, who also is the creator of the hashtag, Chris yep. Messina, right? Yep. He came on and he blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to have an honest conversation about people who have really been thinking about this for a long time and came from like old school web. He was building Mozilla, mm -hmm. the first open source communities. And it's just a personal conversation of Chris and like why is he actually believe in this space and excited? And hearing him open up about like, you know – Chris's story of the hashtags on the thing. And everyone thinks like he just made it up in the moment in time. Mm -hmm. There's always a story of three years before that, what was really going on. Chris was at Mozilla mm -hmm. and he was building software based on what the community was saying. It was the first How open was he source doing project. That? Yeah, exactly. And so he became, he coined a whole agency around products in the future will be built from the community using it, not from the people that work at the company. And that's how the hashtag happened. That Twitter was built that way. And he was doing that. that five years ahead. So he, yeah. him talking about conversational commerce, he looks at it as a whole different way of relationships that companies will have with people. Because in the past, you had a relationship as a cube. Mm -hmm. And your cube has six sides and you do six things as a brand. Mm -hmm. That is not how the future is. Hyatt yeah. is not a booking hotel. If it wants to be a brand in the future, the relationship expands so there's more sides of the cube and you just become helpful. But what do you help them with? Anything they want. Anything. Yeah. And that's where the brands that win are going to understand that relationship design is a whole different thing. That's the golden nugget here, man. It is. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, even though I genuinely would love to stay on exactly the track we're on, uh, in the interest of the fact that we don't have Shane forever, <laughs> uh, at least at the moment, uh, we're going to pop on to off the grid questions right after this. Hey all, this is Pavin. One thing that, of course, you know about the show is that we record with amazing founders and business leaders across um, fashion and retail and beauty and all those good things. I'm excited to let you know that we're actually heading out to Sydney uh, and quite soon, this month. So July 25th and 26th, we're going to be joining the Nora Network and uh, we're going to be over at Online Retailer uh, in Sydney, Australia, recording with some of the business leaders there, some of the uh, innovative uh, startup founders and we're, we're going to explore as much as we can and we're going to bring that to you but if you are in Sydney would love to connect you, with you uh, please email me directly if you'll be in the area Pavan that's P-A-V-A-N at mouthmedianetwork.com and then the following week on August 1st we are partnering with IFAB which is uh, led by Saskia Fairful and on August 1st we're going to be doing a Mouth Media Live our first Mouth Media Live in Australia, so very excited about that. If you will be in the Melbourne area, uh, we highly encourage you to get involved. Uh, again, give me a shout. Or you can visit fashionisyourbusiness.com, and in the top right, you'll see a link to the event. We've been fortunate, of course, to capture stories from places like Copenhagen and San Fran and Vegas, and uh, now we're going to be out in Australia, and we're very excited. Hope to see you there. All right, Shane, let's get personal. It is time for... And now, it's time for Questions Off the Grid. With fashion is your business. Off the Grid questions. Off the Grid questions is when we get a little more personal. There's an Off, off the, the grid. grid in San Francisco is, that's amazing food truck is, park. It will, right? Yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to uh, ask you some personal questions, get to know you more as a human being. Uh, Pavan and I have no idea the questions we're going to ask or what each other's going to ask. We haven't even figured out the order we're going to ask them. We <laughs> solve that, of course. If you've ever listened to this show before with a spin of our beautiful Wheel of Grid Destiny, which, as you know, we've carted here from New York. It's all decked out in perfect Las Vegas embellishment. Uh, and we're going to give that a quick spin. And the first question is from Pavin. 
I'll try to take it to. I'll try to layer it into AI a little bit or communication overall. It isn't necessary. It doesn't but necessary. Whatever. But can you recall a moment where you had a communication experience with someone that doesn't speak the same language as you before these tools were invented? So going back to childhood or whatever it is that maybe reflecting on it really made an impact. Uh, so. I grew up in a little farm town in Bartonville, Illinois, and I grew up in a follow the rules. I played sports. I was kind of a terrible human, uh, but I didn't know it at the time. Right. A, a white Midwestern kid pr- probably said racist shit, mm-hmm. probably like said the like things about gay people. Like you don't even know. I didn't yeah. even you, you don't even know what you don't know. And like you become something and you don't think about it because like everyone around you is doing it. And it's like a small minded, terrible view of the world. And then you grow up, and I, the moment in time that changed my life was, was truly to God, Twitter. I mm. got on Twitter, and my whole life I thought, I do this, I go to a college. It wasn't even a good college. I went to Western Illinois. My parents were more like, just make sure you go to school. I didn't even know Stanford existed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just fucked around in college. And I get out of college, and it's like, all right, I'm going to be a project manager. You just like try to define your life by your title or whatever the fuck it is. And my brother convinced me to leave. He's like, you have to leave this small town. He was 10 years older than me. I was always the brother that was in different cities around the world. And I moved, I moved to Seattle. And I remember I got on Twitter. And I started finding all these people that didn't speak the same language, translated in real time, saying things that I actually never even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. And my level of curiosity, I think it was just a thing I'd had from my childhood. of just being really, really curious. I was just like, everything I literally thought in life that I grew up with, I think is wrong. And at that moment in time, I started following business leaders. That's how I met Gary. That's how I met TA. That's how I met my co-founder, Robert Stevens, who was a CTO of Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all these people are saying things that like, sounds like a world that I want to create. Where the fuck is this goddamn school? Like, what did I learn? Everything I thought was mm-hmm. the opposite. And then they started about diversity and life and building businesses that have a purpose versus businesses that have a, you know, it's just about the bottom line. And I, none of this. And then I just like that moment introduced me to TA. Mm-hmm. TA took me under his wing. Paul Allen from Microsoft mm-hmm. was our first investor. Yeah. And, and then it, just it changed my entire life. It sounds like your podcast is in a way kind of a school where you get the opportunity to have these thought leaders. Yeah. Get so up on the, I, I on the lectern. The, and thing, <laughs> it's a podcast right now on iTunes it's called the Ask Interview Series. Okay. So when I was sitting in my basement in Seattle, that moment of time of seeing this communication channel where in my mind I thought I can text any person in the world. So just don't be an asshole and figure out how to add value. Yeah. And I literally for every day since that day, 10 years ago, TA goes, we were building a social CRM. It was no more about who you know and be helpful. New search and inbox, right? So your DNA of this company is looking at communication in words of news about people and following up. And I never, I was like, why would there be news about people? I was like 21. I didn't fucking know. I was like, you don't even know. There's no news in college. And every single day, he's like, help 10 people a day. Some of them recode their website, feed them feedback, just help them every day. Small things every day. 10 people mm-hmm. every day, 365 days a year, 10 years later, 40,000 people, and it changed my life. Awesome. All right. Another spin of the wheel for whatever reason. And it's me, of course. All right, Shane. Um, I'd like you to reflect on two moments if you're able to think of what they are. One is the moment in your life when you have most felt, holy crap, I might actually be successful. Like, I am successful now. There was a moment when you took stock of yourself because you kind of strike me as a little bit of a a, a modest guy who's just getting it done. You're not sitting there, you know, blowing your horn. But what's a moment when you internally blew your horn and said, damn, maybe I'm pretty good at this? And what's a moment in which you were reduced down maybe by someone else and had to recalibrate yourself and realize maybe you got some learning to do. Uh, can I say that they're the same moment? Sure. Uh, in fact, I think that's incredible if they're the same moment. I, I believe that the moment in time, when you do something when you're young and you're lucky, you can believe it was because of your smarts. So getting lucky to meet a guy on Twitter 
and, and build a social CRM and learn about tech and VC from the best people in the world because I accidentally met this guy and then sell it for 45 million bucks to BlackBerry and like have a successful startup can make you really quickly believe that you know how to build startups. Then I moved to the Bay and I'm, it, I, we did a company called Zarly right after this. We raised 30, 40 million dollars, super hyped, changing the economy, said a bunch of big ass shit, all these things. We know what we're doing. We're not going to sell. And our ego fucking killed it. And we, you know what we did? We made the most miserable place in the world to work because we weren't honest with ourselves about it wasn't working. And we had all this money and all this excitement and all that Ashton Kutcher that around, client, all these big names. And I felt so fucking successful. And then in that moment in time, when I met Robert and Robert joined me and he said, always be the underdog. Who cares about success? Let's make sure that every single day we enjoy what we're doing. And my success today, people are like, why do you want to do this company? I'm five years into this company. The space hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> and I'm for the first time in my life, let's do this for 10 more. Because I've spent time on the people and culture. I don't even think about success. I think about it very selfishly. I want to buy people's time so that I get to work with people I fucking love. And I want to be micro as shit. Do I enjoy coming to my office every day? And if that changes, then I'll think I'm not successful. But success to me today is so basic. After you fail a company so hard because you thought you had this shit figured out, here's what you learn. No one has any of this shit figured the fuck out. So if you build a culture around that thing of we have one value at our company, curiosity. We celebrate what we don't know, not what we do, and it's the opposite of ego. And I don't even really think about success. I think, do I want to actually show up to work today? That's all I think about every single day. You know, it's funny, on this show, we often ask our guests to share a final thought or piece of wisdom. I feel like that was we're it. good. I think, I think we're, we're good. good. <laughs> yeah. So how can people connect with Assist? And, and if you'd like to invite them to connect with you directly, whether it's LinkedIn or social or email or whatever. Don't LinkedIn me. I think it's the worst thing in the world. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm a Twitter fan, man. I okay. love Twitter. I'm open. My DMs are open. It's Shane Mack, S-H-A-N-E-M-A-C. I mean, I, I, don't, I think it's all the same. It's all messaging. 309-453-8175 is my cell number. Boom. Great. Like, I don't care. Because they literally are all push notifications that are just different UI. So, yeah. Good point. All right. Thank Uh, you, guys. Thank you very much. And and enjoy the rest of Shop Talk. Uh, That's it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business. And uh, thanks to uh, Shane Mack uh, from Assist for joining us during Shop Talk on location in Las Vegas, Nevada for Mr. Puffin Ball. Shake it easy, guys. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Later. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.